0: I decided with a friend at some point during our senior year, we were like, Do you want to be sluts this year? (laughs) We were like, We're going to be sluts for political reasons. All of the messaging that both of me and my friend had gotten growing up was that, you know, women were supposed to be non-sexual unless you were married and demure and men could be sluts and girls couldn't. And we were like vocal, very sex positive feminists. And we wanted to go get what the guys could get. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Audio Desires, an erotic audio platform dedicated to giving you the best oral sex you can have. With hundreds of sexy stories in three different languages and a sleek user friendly design, Audio Desires is the right fit to get you in the mood. Enjoy 50% off an annual membership or 20% off a monthly membership when you use promo code MANHOR at AudioDesires.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Podcast shout out to all you fuck boys boy toys toy throaters and throat goaters this is billy Persida and you're listening to the man whore podcast a surprisingly sex positive show you think that should be the new tagline i think uh i think we might need to change the the subtitle to something more disarming. I I know what happens when someone looks at this face and sees man podcast. Assumptions get made. They're just like, what, is this Joe Rogan Jr.? Not quite. All right. No, uh, no both-sidesing for the sake of both-sidesing over here. I intend to only both-sides it when there are more than one legitimate, valid side to to an opinion or argument. Anti-Nazi and uh, nazi Not two valid sides of an argument, for example. Uh, This week on the pod, everybody, I have got on sex educator Erica Smith. She's the woman behind the Purity Culture Dropout Program, which you'll hear a little bit about in uh, just a tid. But first, a little kidney stone update. Uh, Shout out, thank you to those of y'all who checked in with me and my health. It's uh, now been two weeks since I randomly went to the emergency room and and a kidney stone scratched its way down my uterus into my bladder. And, uh, you know, still nothing. At this point, I'm being told it was so small that I probably already passed it and just didn't realize it. But then I'm like, yo, you terrified the fuck out of me. I spent two weeks every time going to the bathroom, every time I came, terrified I was going to spurt out blood and, and hear a little... Plink in my toilet bowl, but alas, I seem to be all right. I'm doing all right. Just in time, by the way, for our hot ooh mmm spicy, just a little much no, mm, just the right amount. Hot movie night this Thursday tomorrow. If you're listening on the day this comes out tonight, if you're listening to this the day after it comes out yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday, folks. This Thursday. At 10 p.m. Eastern Time, we are uh, we are gathering as a fan whore community once again for our monthly porn Watch and hangout. Uh This month we are watching Taboo American Style Part Two. We're gonna follow up with Nina and her and and that oof. I want to say hijinks, but I want to say really like emotional manipulation. Uh, meant dare I say, mental abuse, but sexy uh, <laughs> that she wreaks upon her family and community if you want to join us for the hot movie night two things you got to be in one you got to be in the champagne room which is our super awesome super free super sex positive discord server there's a link in the show notes to that but you can go to manhorpodcom discord get on in there and then you do have to be a member of my patreon community to have access to the private channel where i'm going to be streaming the film you can be a patron of any level so you can join for just two dollars at patreon.com slash podcast link your discord and patreon and you're in babies highly recommend by the way do not try to sign up at like 9:57 p.m because you know what daddy's gonna be working i'm not gonna have as much time to troubleshoot with you although i'll do my best but yeah it's gonna be a fun night we've done it like you know we've done it the last two months really good time but yeah it's gonna be fun we've done the last couple of months been a blast if you're going to blast, just, you know, turn your mic and your camera off. And then, uh, and then you can turn it back on and be like, oh, my gosh, guys, I really loved that scene. And then you can tell us, like, why? My only rule, though, is, uh, d- is uh, no talking during the dialogue, okay? There is character development that is very crucial to the eroticism of this movie. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways, folks, join us for it. And I want to give a shout-out, by the way, to longtime friend of the Man War podcast, HotMovies.com. It's the best place you can go to hashtag pay for some of your porn. They have they have movies from like every genre with all your favorite performers doing all the things. And I think you can still get 20 free minutes on top of any package you sign up for when you use promo code manhor at hotmovies.com. Yeah. Before we get to this week's guest, Erica Smith, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Let's wrap up the business stuff real quick i like to give a shout-out to a member of the fan whore community on Patreon. It's my way of saying thank you for keeping a roof over my head and condoms on my cock. Right now, I want to say a big old thank you to Shannon Kyler. Hope you enjoyed your peep of the peep show. Thank you for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. It means a whole lot to me, and I hope you'll be back soon. Patreon is the best way you can support my work here with the Man Whore Podcast, uh, my very uh, anti-Andrew Tate work on this podcast my <laughs> that guy's such a fucking loser it's just you know cuz I, I i'm reading articles about this dude who by the way i would love to interview because i would love to sit down with this guy and he says some crazy shit and i'm going to i'm going to do what i did with my dad where I don't want to immediately say, you're wrong. I just want to ask him questions until he doesn't have answers. Until so he just throws his hands up and goes, Well, because men are men and women are women. And like, what does that mean to you? I don't know how to answer. I read one quote of his he's just saying that, like, the type of woman who would want to be equitable to a man, who would respect herself, who would want to work, etc. He's like, he said that that is a turnoff to him. Not Oh, a woman who's not like super feminine. No, like a woman who just wants to be a fucking equal human person. He's like, yeah, it'd be a turnoff. Yeah, because she'd be a challenge for you intellectually. You would say some stupid crazy. Th- I mean, this is why my dad dates who my dad dates because he doesn't want to be challenged. He wants someone who's orbiting him. He wants someone who's going to just kind of agree. He wants that low key hype person. He wants some, he wants someone to travel with so he's not traveling alone. I don't know why we had a random dig at my father somewhere in there with the Andrew Tate stuff, but just, yeah, I don't know. And apparently a lot of, I mean, the guy's just been kicked off of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and who knows where else by the time you've heard this. And apparently a lot of people are listening to this guy. And, and I, it's because, you know, I think when they end up in the pickup artist world or red pill shit or the no fat movement or guys like this dude. So many of them are just trying to search like how to talk to women and how to get someone to touch their penis and how maybe any of that can lead to like a healthy, stable, loving relationship, but they don't, they're the search terms completely dictate what's going to pop up. If you type in how to get laid, you're not going to get sex positive resources. You're not going to get Dan Savage or Tristan Taramino, or if I'm being incredibly lofty about myself, this show you type in how to get laid, you get all the toxic stuff. And the person who who is typing the thing in to get the sex positive resources is like already far enough along that they would never fall for the Andrew Tate bullshit. So how do we reach these boys? How do we reach these guys? I don't fucked if I know. I'm just a comedian with a fuck show. What do I know? I just I just go to gangbangs and what do I use to do them? Empathy. Who would have thought treating women like human beings might get you laid more? I know. Andrew Tate's, like, obsessed with the, like, you know, gotta have the 8-pack, former MMA fighter, yeah. Well, if having an 8-pack explains how you get laid, well, then explain me. I've had no packs, and what were maybe almost passable as pecs have not been for a while. My hair ain't full, I don't make a ton of money, and I have a sex life that a lot of people envy. Maybe the sex educator world. Maybe... Those feminist personalities that are trying to speak to men gotta use men's language in their headlines. Maybe you gotta use a little bit of inflammatory language to rope them in so you can feed them their vegetables. I know one book I wanna write is called How to Throw a Gangbang, which, by the way, Andrew Tate accolades, I'm sure at some point maybe search How to Throw a Gangbang. You rope them in with a title like that. They open the page. Maybe it starts with like a hot scene. Okay, they're into it. He seems a little nice to her. He's not like slapping her in the face and calling her a dumb whore. But okay, there is a gangbang happening. And then like the next chapter, feed him the vegetables. Because if we keep trying to feed men vegetables and we call them vegetables, a lot of them aren't even finding the vegetables. You got to start figuring out how to sell you know vegetables as dessert. Which uh, those of y'all who know my eating habits can be difficult all right uh well anyways folks if you want to <laughs> you too can become a member and support the man whore podcast remember that that's what, what this started as anyways if you dig what i'm doing you want to throw me two bucks a month to figure out how to feed some dudes vegetables uh, or just because i make you giggle or make you wet become a member of the fan whore community on patreon at patreon.com slash man podcast All right, now for this week's guest, Erica Smith. Uh, Again, she is the woman behind Purity Culture Dropout is a uh, one-on-one program she has uh, to to help those who were really instilled with some religious shame. She's a a fellow Chasing Amy fan, which I enjoy being like the side theme, you know, C-plot theme of this show that it is, Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. It was cool to log on. This was done remote, so it was cool to log on and e-meet her. I hope you will all enjoy e-meeting her as well. Let's go chit-chat with Erica Smith. Have you noticed that porn is starting to get really aural? Aural. A-U-R-A-L. Aural. That's that's when it's going in your ear hole, not your mouth hole, folks. And audiodesires.com is releasing some fire audio erotica for your ear places okay folks that's our sponsor this week audiodesires.com dare i say the netflix of audio porn have you not tried the audio porn it's quite pleasant and audiodesires.com big fan of the man whore podcast they are that's why they are offering my listeners that's why they're offering fan whore nation they're offering all you whoreheads a crazy good deal they're offering check this 50 percent off their annual membership yes at audiodesires.com and use promo code manhor to get half off an annual membership. Now let's get to the show.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I must have. Where, where did I talk about that? I must have talked about it on a different show recently.
1: Bobby Box and Gabby's show, it came up and I was like, yeah. that is my favorite movie.
0: That movie was... I mean, that whole era of Kevin Smith, I was I don't know how old you are, but it was a formative time in my life. And I loved those movies. But Chasing Amy was the first movie where I was like, oh, my God, you can be kind of a lesbian and kind of straight at the same time.
1: (laughs) This is a sex and dating podcast, but it's also a Chasing Amy appreciation podcast.
0: I'm here for that. I should rewatch it. It's been a couple years. (laughs)
1: so I connect with that movie most with the parking lot scene when she gives that big monologue about yes. like, I didn't get a fucking a map, map from a, from to, a to B. B.
0: <laughs> that's the, that's it right there. That spoke have, to me. Yeah. And I have, I have used that line and quoted that line. I even wrote an article years ago about how our like sexual orientation and gender identities develop. And that was kind of the opening part of my article. I was like, I didn't get a fucking map. Um, some of us might, but when you don't, you kind of figure it out yourself.
1: So I decided to figure it out myself in college, you know, going to NYU, being in New York City using Craigslist. And I was like, I'll try it all that way. Yeah. So how did you start to, you know, map your own course?
0: Oh, so I went to Penn State, which, you know, big party school. Um, Penn State is known for football. Football coaches, sexually abusing (laughs) children. But when I was there, um, it was where I got to explore queerness for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult, though, because so like to set the scene, it was the late 90s. It was like 98, 99. And I was from a very small town near Penn State. But going to main campus is like going to another world um, from a small town and i remember finding the like the lesbians they had a a lot of them lived in one specific house <laughs> i think they all had like they were in some kind of club but i tried hanging out with the lesbians and it was like i was still too bisexual for them at the time and i totally totally just flopped with them like I remember going to a lesbian party and like sitting by a girl and putting my hand on her leg and being like maybe this is the first girl I make out with and then like later that night I found her in bed with a different girl and I was like oh I guess I'm just gonna leave this party but yeah it was the college years um college for me was a great time to not only get really into sexuality stuff in my academic life and my like activism life, but also in my personal life. Like Mm. I decided with a friend at some point during our senior year, we were like, do you want to be sluts this year? (laughs) It was a conversation we had
1: like a conscious decision.
0: It was a conscious decision. And yeah, so that I think that's where a lot of it started.
1: Okay. And how did that conversation go? Was it as simple as like, yeah, let's do the slut thing this year. Okay, let's do it. Or like, was there more of like, was there strategizing? Was there planning?
0: Um, Was there a list? Well, what was really funny to me looking back is that we we were like, we're going to be sluts for political reasons. Like we thought it was very, and I feel like this is silly. You know, we were like 20, 21 years old, but all of the messaging that both of me and my friend had gotten growing up was that you know women were supposed to be non-sexual unless you were married and demure and men could be sluts and girls couldn't and we were like we were super vocal feminists but we were very sex positive feminists and we wanted to go get what the guys could get We were really fucking into being super out and expressive about our sexuality. One of my roommates was studying feminist porn, and we had all of these, like, of course, they were on VHS. (laughs) I don't even think DVDs existed then. But we had all these, like, VHS tapes of feminist porn in my college apartment, and we would just have these, like, nights where we would get together and watch it and talk about it. And yeah, we were pretty... We were pretty vocal.
1: So how did y'all achieve uh, being sluts that senior year? I should also say by real quick, I'm here with sex educator Erica Smith. I sometimes forget (laughs) to do that. I've only been doing this eight years, but sometimes I forget the whole introduce the guest or whatever. Uh, But hello, thanks for coming on. (laughs) Of
0: course. I love we're just going right in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that year I was not in a relationship with anyone officially, which was great. And I. Yeah, had sex with girls for the first time. I remember um so I was like totally a punk rock kid. And at the time at Penn State, if you were a punk rock kid, you hung out with all the other weirdos. So it was like the goth kids, the hippie kids, the green party kids, and we would all just
1: party. <laughs> the green party <laughs> kids are lumped in there.
0: It was nader time. That was it. It was nader time. It was nader time. People had nader buttons. It was the Coming up to the 2000 election, (laughs) you nailed it. I love
1: the idea. I just love the idea of like college kids having like a a political fundraising party and like on the keg, it has like, there's like a little banner on it just says, it's Nader time.
0: Yes. It was Nader time in that that time in our lives. Um, But yeah, so all the weird kids, all the kind of counterculture people, we would just have parties. And one of our favorite things to do was to play spin the bottle. So... You know, I never did that when I was like thirteen, but when I was mm-hmm. twenty, twenty-one, we would always play spin the bottle at our parties, and that would kind of set things off sometimes. Like you spin sure. someone, and you really like kissing them, and then you might just end up going back to your room with them. And I remember that happening. That was I've, that was a fun thing.
1: <laughs> I've seen many an orgy break out because of spin the bottle.
0: See, but, yeah,
1: it it just kind of happens. It's uh, there was gateway. a. There, it's, it's the gateway drug. Yes. It's the gateway drug The group sex to spin the bottle. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so there's some like plain spin the bottle, but like, what else would you do? Like, or like, did you two strategize in this talk? Like what being a slut meant to you two at the time? Cause being a slut in 97 looks a lot different than today.
0: It totally does because we didn't have, you know, phones with cameras or I mean, we didn't have cell phones at all. So it really meant like meeting people in person and meeting people at parties and maybe hooking up with them that way. So you Mm -hmm. couldn't digitally be a slut, really. Um, There was instant messenger. So like this is the days of everyone (laughs) having big ass desktop computers in their dorms and in their college apartments. And you Mm -hmm. would keep your instant messenger message up. um, always even when you weren't around so you know people could leave you little (laughs) little chats
1: Mm -hmm. Um, gotta have that good uh that good away message
0: yes totally
1: the era of the away message it's gone i don't see away messages anywhere anymore
0: i know it's so weird
1: How much effort and work we put into those?
0: Yeah, there had to be some vague lyrics that made people just a little (laughs) concerned, you know? Just a little concerned for our mental health.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of lyrics were you putting in your away message?
0: Oh, God. They were probably some... In 1999, I I wouldn't be surprised if I had put some, like, Blink-182 lyrics in my message or some punk band... (laughs) Who even knows? Um, it, it's hard to remember, but I just remember like you wanted to be clever and you wanted to be a little provocative and you just wanted people to be like, oh, Eric is so interesting or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. What did it feel? Do you remember what it felt like to go from like serial monogamy to like letting loose a bit? Like maybe one of those first casual encounters? Did that feel a certain way?
0: I, yeah, it felt like it felt very exciting. I definitely had the impression that college especially going to a big college like a big university like penn state is where you just kind of got a little bit crazy and a little bit you know breaking out of the mold from from your younger years and so it did feel like yeah this is just what people do in college and it was it was a really fun time when we decided to be sluts there was we didn't like strategize about it we're just like let's okay. do this and then yeah Just Just kind of just kind of lived our lives that year.
1: (laughs) Obviously, it sounds like, you know, playing with women was was part of that. But as you mapped your Chasing Amy map from A to B, Mm. what did you find along along the way? What was on that path for you?
0: (sighs) I love this question because I, as a sex educator, tell people all the time that you can constantly learn new things about your sexuality as long as you're open to it. And I think you can learn that your entire life. So for me, I remember being young and feeling like I needed to figure out what I was. Like I wanted to figure out a label. I wanted to be like, am I, I mean, bisexual was really the only word available Um, is not, people weren't really saying pansexual like they say now. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being like, I would say I was bisexual and that felt like it made the most sense. But when I was in my mid twenties, I fell in love with a butch dyke and was like, I'm a lesbian. I had it all figured out. I thought it was like, it was like the skies opened up and gave me a message. And I was like, that's it. I figured it out. I'm a lesbian. And we were together for years. And then when we broke up, I realized that I wasn't a lesbian because I immediately became attracted to like, a cis dude that I used to work out with and I was like shit what do I do now and that's when I was like I should watch Chasing Amy again Chasing Amy again this is like <laughs> <that movie." laughs> I was like damn it this I, I was angry cuz I was like I thought I had figured it out like why did this dude come along and after that I really just let my I let myself relax about it and I was like, I I have the ability to be attracted to so many different kinds of humans. Um, mm-hmm. I am married now, and my husband is a trans man who used to mm-hmm. identify as a lesbian. So, you know, he has the same, like, just kind of background of figuring things out. But um, I kind of don't know what's at point B. The map from point A to point B is still mm-hmm. continuing. Because sometimes I see people that I'm like, whoa, like that person's really hot. And it's someone I would have literally never thought I would be attracted to in the past. So yeah, I think as long as we're open to it, we can constantly discover new things about ourselves and our attractions.
1: There is something like a comfort we love to have of like, oh, I finally found the label or the labels and the frustration of finding out that those might be changing. And it's, like, I mean, we already see people who hate the changing of labels, not for themselves, but that, like, new labels even exist. Yeah. We have people who are, like, literally this morning, like, I see someone who's, like, upset with some website because they had, like, multiple gender options. And they were, like... How, well, if you can't get the little things right, how can this website get the big things right? And I'd be like, the fuck do you care? Like, male was literally the top option. Like, it it's not like you were having trouble. They didn't, like, say, we're going to fuck with them. We're going to put female, like, third and male sixth and put all the ones that confuse them in between. Like, yeah. it was easy. Like, it found it right there. Yeah. It's not fucking with you at all. But then there's the people, you know, there is a the frustration when you think, like, I got to figure it out. And, like, you described, you're like, ah, oh, damn, that person made me th- feel things. I got to go back and journal.
0: Yeah. Totally. And I, I work with a lot of people that are newly discovering their identity, maybe probably because they were raised super Christian and like didn't have the ability to think about it. But people get so fixated on wanting to find the right label for themselves. And I think that often it's besides the point. Like sometimes we can get so worried about like, do I call myself a lesbian? Am I allowed to call? I'm just like, That's not the important part of exploring your sexuality. The important part is just doing it and feeling Mm -hmm. things.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know what some of these words mean anymore. Because, like, you know, look, I I identify as straight, but I don't even know what straight means now. Right? (laughs) It's like I, in recent years, have realized, like, oh, there is space for an attraction to, like, high femme trans women Mm -hmm. that I didn't think was there before. Mm-hmm. Was that make me? I don't know. Like uh the the dude stuff really still very much turns me off. Mm-hmm. So, but like I don't think this this dick is like the biggest deal break in the world. But then was that was that make me? I don't fucking know. I've been sitting back like I think I'm going to wait for all the gender theorists and everything, the academics to figure out what this shit is and I'll reclassify myself. Yeah. Um, also not for nothing, the ones I got now, the benefits quite good. So I might as well hold on to them while (laughs) I still can.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I know what you're saying. Like there are there are labels people are using that um that seem very niche and are super new to a lot of people. And even though this is like the field I work in, and I Mm. am a queer person, and I have I work with kids, like I work with youth. Sometimes they come to me. And they're like, I identify as, and then they say a word and I have to Google it. (laughs) Like I have to fucking Google it or I'll come home and say to my husband, like, Hey, do you know what this identity is? And he's like, I don't fucking know. Cause we're both like Uh, a generation removed from (laughs) the people that are like coming up with these new identity labels. So do you remember
1: the last one you had to look up?
0: uh, I remember looking up the word Trixic, which means a non-binary person that dates lesbians i think so but then at that
1: point like i just don't understand there's sometimes it gets so specific i'm like never going to tell someone like you can't call yourself a thing i just question do you need this word or can't you just say i'm non-binary i'm attracted almost exclusively to lesbians
0: let folks use whatever terms they want, and sometimes we will have to Google them. And I do believe that if we have to Google that hard, it's probably not the most effective way to communicate your identity.
1: You said triptych?
0: trixic, trixic,
1: trixic. trixic. Yeah, with like an X or like trixic, a CK,
0: like cereal tricks.
1: <laughs> tricks. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up later. Trix.
0: Trixic uh see so you don't even like you're like i don't even yeah, remember how to spell I know, it i know i know and in a lot of yeah
1: i'm gonna put in parentheses a k just in case
0: okay yeah <laughs> but i know you can find it they there's like even a flag you know like so a lot of folks everyone
1: gets a flag now it happens
0: on tumblr which i did not did you were you a tumblr person i didn't get that that <sighs> wasn't part of my internet journey
1: I was into Tumblr porn during I I probably like senior year of college. So from like ages like 21 to 23, not long after, it was before they banned adult content. But the bots and the like the spam accounts started rapidly rising. And the hashtags that I was like spanking it to were getting like inundated with that spam crap. And then I discovered Reddit and I was like, oh, this is way better.
0: Okay. (laughs)
1: So like my my porn viewing is usually is the Reddit stuff.
0: Yeah. And that those spaces on Tumblr is where a lot of this language came out of. And because I was never a Tumblr person, um, it's it's not something I'm very familiar with.
1: And and so what else did you find for yourself uh, on your pathway? Did you discover relationship styles or Mm -hmm. particular sexual interests that surprised you in your journey?
0: I don't think so because – so one of the things that I feel like is important to mention, you know that I did not grow up in a religious household, right. even though I work with people that are super religious, um, formerly super religious. One way that I cannot relate to my clients is that I have never known what it felt like to be ashamed of any aspect of sex. Mm-hmm. Um so when I talk to people who who feel deep shame because of masturbation or deep shame because of their desires, I've I don't know what that feels like. So, mm. e- I never even really felt shame for queerness. Um so like I my journey figuring out what I liked was always just fun. Um <laughs> but but it never included any kind of real like emotional difficulty. Like, I feel like I've been an uninhibited person since I was a teenager, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Plus if you want to share about the playboys, I hear uh, you had access to playboy magazine.
0: Yes. I mean, I love this story because my family is so chill. I did not grow up. So I'm from like rural Pennsylvania, a very like blue collar, all American run of the mill family. So when I say I wasn't raised with sexual shame, it's not because my parents were like hippies that were intentionally making me, you know, learn about sex in a progressive way. I just grew up in a really like chill and raunchy family that loves to make jokes about everything. And so we're, we make jokes about sex and I just grew up in that environment and nobody is, Nobody's like puritanical about it, but I, one of my grandfathers um, subscribed to Playboy magazine and he had it for decades and, um, you know, it would come in the mail and sometimes the kids would get the mail. It's like, no, there's Pappy's Playboy and they're, you know. The covers were always very interesting, but he kept them under the um, cushion of the recliner he sat in. And everyone knew that if you lifted that recliner cushion, there'd be at least two, (laughs) at least two Playboys.
1: Like in the living room? Yeah, yeah. Was he like reading the articles in the living room or like was something more untoward going oh, on?
0: Oh, I, I think he was just probably reading and looking at them um, in his own time. But yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, everyone knew like the, the Playboys are under the recliner, under the cushion. And I remember like all of the grandkids knew and sometimes we would look at them. And I definitely remember, I mean, this would have been probably very late 80s early 90s so imagine like the folks that were on the cover then and (laughs) i actually looked up this is really funny i was thinking about those playboys so i googled like playboy magazine 1991 just to see who would have been on the cover then and it was fucking donald trump and (laughs) some other woman (laughs) oh no uh but um yeah so i i had access to those those were very interesting to me i remember the. The pictures were very interesting and arousing to me, and then the comic strips would be about things that I didn't understand yet. Yeah, and I mean, when my grandfather died, there was this big discussion. Like, like the stack of Playboys was this big, and you could
1: have made a and probably a nice penny if we they were tried, in decent condition.
0: We looked to, to eBay them at the time, and there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of market for them at the time, and to this day, I don't know what happened to them. I think maybe a cousin has them, but I would love to have that stack of magazines because it's like, it's a sentimental thing about my family, a stack of old Playboys.
1: Oh, when you want to feel connected to Grandpa, sometimes you take one out and a little bit of lube, rub one out for Grampy, (laughs) just, you know, out of respect.
0: Out of respect. This is what you looked at. I too like sexy ladies.
1: (laughs) We could have bonded over that. (laughs) Um. No. That's oh. That chasing Amy scene with the fucking the porno mags. Just classic.
0: Oh yeah. Oh I mean, my gosh. Like I really diversity need
1: to watch is that the movie. spice of life. Yeah. I watched that movie. I don't know if this is good or bad. Probably once or twice a year at no, that's the least.
0: Great. I. I that's awesome. <laughs> oh, Such a good. Such a good movie. I have never watched it. So I'm like a late in life stoner. I was. Oh, I never really smoked weed when I was young, but now that mm. I'm older and I have a Access to it through legal means. It's just like, sure. So I love to just get really high and watch movies that I've never seen high before. And I think that that would be fun.
1: Well, the, and this is with Kevin Smith movies at large. And I started watching those in earnest in probably like 2000, like whenever Dogma hit HBO. Then someone was like, oh, there's like the whole universe. So I then was like renting all the other movies. Uh-huh. And there was something. And so similar to when you were like reading the comic strips of the Playboys and like, oh, there's humor that you don't quite get yet because of your age. Watching Kevin Smith movies from middle school, really until a few years ago, I would keep alert. Like there's new jokes I would get on yeah. subsequent viewings. Yeah. Like I had a Bluntman and Chronic poster. I didn't know what chronic or a blunt was. <laughs> I really only know what the man part of blunt man. Well, I didn't know. I right. had no idea. I didn't know, understand all sorts of uh, aspects of stoner culture or in Chasing Amy, like gay culture. I just didn't get any of yeah. it. So, but like, as you learn more of these things, as you discover your own sexuality, there become like more jokes you can understand.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a funny thing about, watching some of that stuff in retrospect and being like, wow, this was like really horny. And I didn't understand (laughs) that at the time.
1: (laughs) It's like, how did my parents let me watch this?
0: I recently had that conversation about, um, Greece. Like when Olivia Newton-John passed away, I was like, yeah, that movie, the songs in that movie are so horny and we like sang them in middle school. And I definitely didn't know what a, like, what it meant when they, he talked about like the chicks will cream, I didn't know what that meant.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a line. Yes. I haven't watched Greece in probably twenty Grease years. is
0: dirty as fuck. I, yeah. I, I,
1: I remember Rizzo, and I was—I guess like my memory of Greece is Rizzo is the dirty representation. Yeah, but I guess there's pl- I guess there's plenty more.
0: There's a lot of lot of references to high school humping in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand back then.
1: Yeah. How'd you meet your husband?
0: Oh, we both work in, at the time we both had um, jobs that had to do with sexual health. And we met, this is like the hilarious story. We met at the AIDS activities coordinating office in Philadelphia in the health department. So hot. We met at a meeting about HIV prevention and sexual health. And then just realized we knew a lot of the same people. You know how that is. We're like, how have I never met you before? We have so many people in common. And yeah.
1: That That's it. How, come on. Come on a little bit more. How, how's it, how's it go from, how's it go from HIV conference to, uh, oh. to like a date?
0: Yeah. Good question. Like it's a,
1: it's an odd, you know, that's an odd pickup place.
0: Yeah. I was definitely the aggressor in this one. Um, we met briefly like through the work thing. And then, There is a website called Dapper Q and it is a website that's fashion for queer people. So mostly like kind of like masculine queer people wearing like cute masculine clothing. And every year they put out a list of like the best hundred best dressed, like hot queer people. Mm -hmm. And that it was June of 2014. The list came out and my best friend and I were just looking at it and it's just like, hot butch after hot butch and we're just like yes like that that person's hot that person's hot and then we get to my future husband and I didn't even notice him on the list and my best friend was like hey isn't that the person we met at the the meeting recently and I realized it was so I like clicked on his little profile and it had his links to like his Facebook and stuff and so I just messaged him and was like hi we met at the conference like do you want to go out sometime and yeah that's how it that's how it occurred.
1: <laughs> hey, look at you. all nice and forward. Have you always been so forward?
0: I don't think always, but at the time, I was like, I don't know. I had hit my stride. I was like in my mid thirties, and the hopefully the older you get, the more confident you get. Like that's mm-hmm. ideally what happens to us um as we age. So by then I was just like, yeah, why not?
1: Okay. What's it about like that butch look? That because you said yeah, like you first yeah. got exposed to that, like kind of in your early 20s, and it seems yeah. like that stayed a little consistent. That's the like, L seems word like you got happened. T- <laughs> the L word happened. That's what it is. <laughs> this seems like you might have a bit of a type.
0: I do have a bit of a type. And whenever people have asked me to, like, what is your sexual orientation or whatever, like the word queer is the word that I use that's shorthand. Everyone knows, hopefully, what queer means. But my very specific type, is that i love people that are like boyishly masculine and i don't care if you were born assigned male or female i don't care how you identify now if you were like a boyish person especially if you wear a backwards baseball cap which is kind of like a fuck boy look i don't know it just is my where's, thing where's my hat uh, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm like, I don't care if you're a cis man, a trans man, a butch, like however you identify, whatever's in your pants. I don't care if you have that like boyish vibe, that like masculine kind of playful. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm attracted to. Not to say I don't love like hot girls that are fems, but it doesn't give me the same like, oh, my God feeling.
1: <laughs> Do you have you ever uh, thought about like what that might be about?
0: So much. I think I just, at this point, as even as someone in the sexuality field, there's no explanation most of the time for what people like, and why we like it. And so I don't waste any time worrying about it. I'm just like, Mm. I'm just gonna go with it. That person does something for me. You know, even in sex research, there's not a lot of like hard in like hard evidence as to why people like the things they like. There are theories about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So, you know, some theories have to do with like childhood and things that really like stuck out to us as children. But because there is I feel like there's not a good answer to why people like what they like most of the time or why people fantasize about what they fantasize about most of the time. And so. I just let it just be what it is. Okay.
1: Have you ever played around with your gender expression?
0: No, I am like such okay. a high femme. It is just what is so natural to me. Right. Um, but like
1: punk, punky high femme. I mean, oh, you are covered in yeah.
0: tats. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Which I feel I, and like it's
1: like a sex educator almost requirement. Like there's two <laughs> types of sex educator chicks and there's like the very clean cut demure, you know, glasses. and then there's, there's your type where it's like, what's
0: up? Yeah. <laughs> and I've been this way. I mean, I started getting tattoos like big visible ones when I was 18 or uh, so it was a long time ago. And mm. so this, I've always had the like punk aesthetic, um, but I've never once had any question about my gender identity. I know, you know, a lot of folks do, especially as the conversation around gender identity continues to expand, but it, I'm like, definitely a cis woman who is like high femme gender expression if i even put on like i walk my dogs a lot and i'll put on a like a baseball cap and as soon as i put it on i feel like i'm in butch drag like, just like <laughs> look how butch i am right now
1: yeah it can be fun to put a little like something else on but it just it does feel like a little on the foreign side of things
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so you know before you met your husband how did being like because you've been a sex educator a long time? So how did being a sex educator like influence your dating life?
0: I think people ask that question. I mean, I've been asked that question by like random men. I'm not considering you one of the random men because
1: this. I is mean, a- I kind of <laughs> am a little, like a little bit. I'll You're own a little, a little bit, bit of, it. of
0: a random man.
1: I'm mildly random.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's really. I don't know. I feel that that's such a good question because I've been a sex educator for so long and it's such a part of who I am and my identity that I've never really considered how it affects my relationships. I guess I would say that I'm definitely incredibly open-minded about all sexuality matters. I would never shame my partner for any sex-related thing. I know how to communicate about sex. I have a lot of, you know information in my brain about it. And I have very little shame and very little things that I consider taboo or off limits to talking about. So in that sense, I may, maybe my like partners of the past would say that my work influenced what it was like to be in a relationship with me. I'm just not weird about shit. Like if my partners (laughs) like watch, watch your own porn, masturbate by yourself. Like I'm, I'm not ever going to care about that kind of thing.
1: So you know you you've been uh, you've been a sex educator and you do you do coaching or you just do your one on one sessions for your purity culture dropout program.
0: I talk to I mean anyone can book a call with like a coaching and education call with me on mm-hmm. most all sexuality topics, but the the niche that I have carved out in the vast world of sex educators is specifically targeting people that grew up in the hard evangelical Christian purity culture, because to me, they're the folks that like need the most, um, compassionate and shame-free sex ed, like directly tailored for them.
1: Mm. Do you find any difficulty or, or maybe when you were starting that program, did you find any difficulty connecting with, and sometimes maybe even, um, empathizing with those earlier clients, not having that experience yourself?
0: I would say no, because the whole time I've been in this work, I have always worked with folks that were different than me and other demographic reasons. Like for the longest point in my career, I worked specifically with um, kids in juvenile detention here in Philly. And I was like the in-house sex educator in the detention center. So I was working with all kinds of young people who had very different backgrounds than I did and very different life experiences than I did and a whole lot of trauma that is not trauma that I share. So I didn't have, and working with people that come out of purity culture is very similar and that I'm like, I don't know what it's like to be you, but I do know how to deliver this information to you in a really sensitive way.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What is probably one of the most difficult parts of your job, uh, particularly the the one-on-one work?
0: Mm. I mean, I hear a lot of fucked up stories from people. So I have to find ways to like deal with that on my own and not carry it with me. And that's mm-hmm. always been part of my work. Um, Cause when you're talking to someone about sex, it's an emotional issue. It's a very heavy topic. Like I always say, like, I'm not, An accountant. I don't talk about numbers, you know. I mean, maybe accounting is very emotional for some people. But like when you start talking to people about sex, you get into their family history, their life stories, the traumas they've experienced, all the shame they carry, and you hear a lot of really hard stuff. So Mm. I think for me, just hearing those stories and manage and like managing my own mental health and peace is is probably the hardest part, but I'm pretty good at it at this point.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, Erica, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, and if people want to learn more about, one, your Instagram, full of sex education uh, information, a lot of great stuff you have up there, not just about purity culture. I mean, just a lot of just sex ed info, so people should definitely go follow you there. But in addition to your Instagram, you know, where can people go follow you on the internet?
0: Um, My Twitter presence is tiny, but I do tend to just kind of shitpost there. <laughs> so I'm also Erica Smith sex ed on Twitter. Instagram is definitely my hub. That's where my most most of my content is. And mm-hmm. then my website is purityculturedropout.com dropout.com. And that's where people can work with me have sessions with me or buy some of the classes that I've done pre recorded.
1: And the Instagram is what's the handle again?
0: It's Erica Smith dot sex dot ed and Erica is spelled with a C.
1: Erica was uh, dot sex dot ed. Did somebody have at Erica Smith sex ed? Uh, you had to put the dots in there?
0: I think I put the dot in there because otherwise I thought it just looked like it said sexed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And I That's didn't want point. it to
0: say Erica Smith sexed. <laughs> I wanted it to be clear.
1: How sexed is she? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well everyone definitely go check her out and uh, erica thank you so much uh and why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody
0: goodbye to billy's audience thank you for listening
1: hey folks uh so you know normal stuff at the end okay if, if you've got something you want to say about the show shoot me an email manwhorepod at Shout it out in the champagne room at manhorpodcom slash discord. You know the drill. We've got the Hot Movies Night uh, tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I'm using a like a lower, more somber tone of voice because, um, look, there's this dude who's been a fan of the show for, like, maybe almost the whole time I've been doing it, at least five, six, maybe more years. This guy has been super high engagement in the communities in the champagne room in the peep show he's shown up to live shows he came the man Whore con nice fucking guy this dude Josh Myers and um Josh had a heart attack um and passed away a few days ago and you know a, a lot of y'all who have been active whether you currently are or not if you were active you knew Josh he's just a nice fucking guy he was like our just our big smiley, often nude, cock ring wearing cheerleader, and um, he's gone now. And and you know he he like he would he would show up to the hot movie nights. He came to both of those, and it's it's uh, it's gonna be a little sad not having him there tomorrow. But I want I wanted to give him uh, you know a shout out for being just just good fucking people. He was young. He's like in his mid forties a good, fucking, nice, friendly, want to make everyone comfortable kind of guy. From what I've gathered, you know, he was one of those poly dudes without being one of those poly douchebags. So, uh, you know, raise a glass or put on a cock ring for uh, my man Josh. You will be really fucking missed, man. The next man, Horkan, uh, you know, won't be the same without you. So wherever you are in the afterlife, dude, stay slutty.